Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. This week, we're talking to the one and only Anne Head. Yes, of Head Wheels. Anne talks to us about how when she started out racing triathlon, this guy at the bike shop gave her a $100 check for the Iowan Hawaii race entry. That guy was Steve Head. And she eventually won a car and used it to fund the start of their business, which became Head Wheels. A lot has changed since then. Now, before we talk to Anne, Laura Sadal is back for Sid Talks from her St. George training camp. We get into the gossip about STG, how there's a new crop of stars, and what we think could happen. All of that after this short break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but also content across all our network brands like Outside Magazine, Backpacker, Velo News, and Trail Runner. With an Outside Plus membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, a $50 gear credit to the outside shop, which includes our library of training books, resources like our custom 70.3 training course and clean eating meal plans, dozens of training plans through today's plan software, a free event with outside events cycling series, and a discount on any races on Tri-Reg or Athlete Reg. And you get access to Gaia GPS and Trail Force to help you find great routes and an annual Finisher Picks photo package to memorialize your race afterwards. Plus, now all of our members get access to our first ever team triathlete a community of triathletes that includes Q&As with experts, training plans, in-person meetups, and team swag and giveaways. We'll be with you on your triathlon journey from start to finish. Join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus. That's outside P-L-U-S, one word. Become an Outside Plus member today. All right, Sid's back for Sid Talk. She's joining us from her rest day at St. George training camp. Uh, so she's a little tired. <laughs> I should be rested now, should I? Isn't that the plan? <laughs> I should be re- it's, rest days are weird. Like we, I mean, I still did a, what did I do this morning? I still swam. We swam in the lake. Um, and, and then I ran in the gym on the lever and then I had a gym session. So I've still done three sessions, but they were all done this morning. And so I've had like the rest of the afternoon to be pretty chill, although then you sort of fill it with trying to sort out um, fixing uh, flat tires that are very common on this course and things like that. So, and I also found I couldn't really concentrate on doing anything else because I was probably in a proper flat tired fuzzed mode. So I feel like I've then not done anything all day or not achieved anything, which I know I, is kind of the purpose of a rest day, yeah. but it's a very bizarre feeling. Yeah. This is what happens to me like every, whenever I'm training, every weekend, yeah. I have this huge list of things I'm going to get yeah. to know. I like yeah. do my workout and then I lay down on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the St. George course. The new bike Ooh. course is hard. <laughs> Brutal. It's good though. It's great. It's, it's a real honest, tough course. Um, it, it's relentless is probably what I'd say. There's no real respite on it. You, you get some, there are some faster sections um, and some descents, but before you know it, you're climbing again and it's got a fair bit of elevation. Um, there'll be some, there's some cheeky, cheeky pitches in there that will, will cheeky kind of pitches. Sing, sing, the, okay. sing the legs a bit. Um, the road surface is pretty good. What I would say to anybody coming out here, I mean, I, I really hope, and I'm assuming that Ironman will sweep the road course, but there is a lot of crap on the roads and in the bike lane and in the shoulder where we've been riding. So we've had a fair few, uh, flat tires. I had a nice two inch nail through my tire that scraped a whole load of paint off my bike as well, which was, uh, which was good fun. Um, so yeah, if you are coming to race, I'd definitely like, bring spares for those training days pre-race and just i mean hopefully like i said the bike course will be yeah i'm sure be they'll swept, sweep it before but just this is also such a triathlete thing right yeah like well they must sweep the road yeah yeah the i know road. yeah so they do they not carpet it before as we come along <laughs> <laughs> but no it's it's a great course it's like really it's really it's very pretty and, and picturesque in places and it's got lots of different features to it so i think i think people all all enjoy it, it it could be windy as well. The, we've had some brutal winds here. So um, I think people just need to be aware of that. And they are depending on the wind direction will definitely add to the challenge. Um, I'm going the weather backwards. weather is always crazy there, though. Yeah. I feel like that's you have to yeah. know it's going to be nuts. It like might storm, might yeah. snow, might... 
yeah be 100 I, degrees exactly yeah. I mean I, I think I'm, I'm going backwards now I, I think it'll be quite cold to start with on the bike and then it could heat up quite a lot in the afternoon <laughs> going back the sweat the lake the lake's 53 degrees at the moment it's pretty fresh um hopefully it's going to warm up warm up a few more degrees come uh I think fresh is British for very cold, right? Yeah, I was going to say something else, but I wasn't sure I could swear again, (laughs) even though I don't think that stopped me before on this program. But um, so, yeah, the the, the lake is pretty cold at the moment. Um, I'm not sure how much warmer it'll get, but hopefully a few more degrees just to take the little bit of sting off. It'll be an interesting race. It does seem like everyone, I mean, we've had kind of this first batch of mid-distance and first yeah. batch of races for the season and now I will allow all the people who are doing St. George are headed to training camp everyone's yes. at training camp right now my Instagram yeah. is full of people yeah. at their St. George my favorite hashtag I saw was Kona Utah they're at their oh, yeah. Kona Utah, <laughs> Kona, Utah. <laughs> training camp yeah so we're also starting to get the early season early predictions yeah. for St. George do you have any insider information now that you're out there? You're like out there on the course <laughs> eyeing the Norwegians, the Norwegian hype train. <laughs> well, we've not actually, I mean, I've not seen, I've seen quite a few age groupers out here. Um, I've not seen any other, uh, any other pros, pros out here yet um, specifically, but I think over this next week, there's probably going to be a lot more people arriving in town uh, and we're staying a little bit out, which is actually quite nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think definitely I've seen like everyone from Oceanside then headed up to altitude or whatever, or, or just in those last preparation of big, big weeks before they all, all head out here. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Lucy Charles Barkley has, has pulled out with stress fracture um, and out of the sub eight project as well. So she's probably out for the first half of the year, which I think probably leaves her very dangerous for Kona. Although I'm not sure she's, qualified now no no she has like the auto qualify thing if you were second last time but that's for st george though they'll let lucy in they can't do that they can't just do that (laughs) well okay maybe she'll have to anyway i suppose it depends on how quickly she recovers yeah obviously stress fracture makes it sound she like fractured the top of her she broke yeah she's broke she's broken a leg she's broken a hip it's crazy yeah um which is hard to do basically is the point like that takes all the people i know um who have done that have like another level of like pain tolerance where they were basically like running yeah. through stuff that the rest of us yeah would have been crippled by yeah i mean there's lots of reasons of the cause behind it and we we don't know at the moment or i don't know so no, no yeah. i don't know but uh yeah. but it is a crazy injury for yeah. sure and so she's gonna be out for a while and so she's out of the sub eight two yeah and the question is who's gonna because no one can replace her at saint george did but someone can replace her at sub eight exactly yeah i mean it's pretty. It's a pretty tough call to like come in four week. Well, what are we now? Six weeks, seven weeks out from sub eight and put your name forward. But I mean, I think there's probably a few women who would have a really good crack at it. Well, my understanding is Chris McCormick, who's like organizing it, right? Yeah. Kind of let slip <laughs> on a podcast that probably kept Matthew. It's the worst kept secret in the world in the if it is because that's what everybody's Everyone talking saying. about. But then he also said, <laughs> but then he also said, oh, or, or we're like a German. So my other guess is Laura Phillips. So those are my two. Yeah, they were the two because I'm not sure whether Annie Haug would. I don't know. Um, but we like talked about here, like Laura Phillips, Kat Matthews would be the ones that would probably have a, have a good shot. Um, you know, I feel they're a little bit disadvantaged um you know coming in quite short notice but I'm assuming that the the team that Lucy had around her was almost probably fairly well formed and maybe they're just shifting that across as she was talking to somebody who's involved in the Norwegian team for the cycling section so that was really fascinating to have a a whole like draft team coming have a few insights into that yeah but also like if you look at who's doing it from the men and the women's side like Nicola is the only one that's not racing St George Mm -hmm. and then it's only four weeks after St George and that's a pretty big ask as well did you okay my favorite thing these days in triathlon gossip is the pseudo I don't even know, trash-talking war going on between Joe Skipper and the Norwegians. Yeah. And the YouTube video that they released about the Norwegian hype train. I suggested, because I was having to talk to the Norwegians last week for some work stuff, that they make t-shirts that say Norwegian hype train and sell them. I think that would be a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. 
That's great. I hope you've got I hope you've got a, a percentage in that as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that'd be great. But other than yeah. that, um, other than Lucy being out, which I am actually very disappointed about for St. George, she's like my favorite to watch because she always makes it exciting. Um, I think, uh, I mean, she does, but that's because she's off the front of the swim. I think it means that there's not her dominating, dominating, I can't even speak, dominance in the water, which I think makes it more exciting. Hmm. I mean, it would have been great to see her in there. I do think it's a real shame for the sport and for the race. And obviously she, she's come off great form from winning 7.3 worlds. But I do think it just opens. I mean, I think the likes of Cat Matthews, Laura Phillips right. are just kind of like, and, and a load of others, Sky, you know, Sky Monch, Heather, Heather Jackson, all those names, even, you know, Daniela, just like, you know, licking their lips at the potential of what could be for them Anne on Hogg their day. I think Anne does not let this go. I think oh, Anne Hogg. I, 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 I've given up, like, no one mentions her and like they didn't mention her like after Roth and they forget that she's the current reigning Ironman champion um and she's fiercely you know there's reasons why she didn't race the back end of last year because she was preparing for two world championships this year and I think a bit like Daniela I think if anyone's written Annie Haug off they're they're stupid but she's just (laughs) been she's just been quietly going around her business under the radar like when there's a lot of the hype and the talk about some of the other a lot of YouTube channels, yeah, a lot of YouTube channels. Which I yeah. found, actually found out is apparently written into everyone's sponsorship contracts these days, which is why everyone has a YouTube channel. But, oh, really? Is that is... and you get and you get like more money for every five hundred followers? That's why it's a very common sponsorship clause these days. Yeah, and it's not as like you don't make anything. Yeah, unless you Any... like Lionel with a zillion likes and hits, like you're not making anything from anyway. That's another conversation. I was wondering why there were so many, and apparently yeah. it is a specific. Well, I've policy. never been requested to have a YouTube channel in my sponsorships, well, but then that's because my partnerships are probably not of that value, <laughs> not worthy. They're like you're never, you're never going to yeah. get more followers. It's just a lost cause. No one wants you're bad enough listening to you on a podcast. No one wants to watch you on a YouTube as well. I will tell you though that one of my editors had a dream where Sam Long wins St. George, so we think it's going to happen. And Sam, interestingly. Uh, has chosen not to do Kona this year because yeah, he's doing order, Roth. Because he's doing Roth, which I'm also doing now soon. Yeah, uh, so uh, the training had uh, begun. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's doing Roth. He's doing St. George. I know. And they, I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, but it's missing out on, you know, if he wants to ra- race the best and be the best in the world, he's got he's to race those big championships. Well, he's already racing a lot of right. events and he's still pretty young. Like he's only really burst onto the scene in the last year or so. Like just... I, I'm pretty impressed that he's sort of playing it, I think, pretty smartly and being guided by Ryan Bolton, isn't it, his coach? Yes, Ryan Bolton. Wasn't yeah. there another... Well, we were discussing this last week and, and, you know, did a story about it. Wasn't there another girl, a young, like, 24-year-old from Australia who turned down her Kona spot for basically the same reason because she, like, wanted more time to develop? Wasn't well, it, like, H- Hannah well, Wells? Well, Hannah, Hannah Wells isn't coming to St. George anymore. But she's coming out and I think doing some 70.3s. Mm. And Teresa Adam isn't coming to St. George. And they would they had both qualified. Um, Sarah Crowley is not coming to St. George. So she is going to stay in Australia and do Ironman Australia. and Which wasn't a pro race until New Zealand got cancelled. And I'm bitter about that. <laughs> <laughs> no one can get in or out of Australia anyway. It is what it is. And so Sarah Crowley isn't... She's doing Ironman Australia and Ironman Cairns, I think, uh, and just staying at home. But that makes sense. She's had the last couple of years, she was living out of a suitcase and traveling the world. And yeah, so yeah. I think has found a bit of No, bit I just remember there was life, a young, but, yeah. one of the it young Australians. Hannah. Yeah, I think it's yeah. about, turned her spot down a couple of years ago for the same reason, like wanted to develop, didn't want to like overblow it on Kona. Teresa Adam, New Zealand, she turned, I think it turned it down the first year she qualified for Kona. Um, it, might on, it might have been that. And also just financially, I think she was, she couldn't afford to, to go over there and not have just a as a day. development. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of pros lose money. On yeah. Oh yeah. You system. don't, I mean, it's works. ridiculous, isn't it? Like you'd think that as a pro, when you qualify for the world championships, you should at least break even or cover your costs, but no, no, yeah. not the way of the sport, but Hey, hopefully maybe that is one of the aims that yeah. hopefully the PTO can change and maybe it's all a little bit more easier and affordable for everyone and you know what's going to do that Sid? 
rivalries. <laughs> rivalries. And rivalries that make it exciting to watch. That's the whole PTO thing. Right okay. But this is, this is the thing. I was watching the golf at the weekend. Oh, the okay. Masters, the Masters. <laughs> which we're meant to be modeling ourselves, aren't we, on the golf. Golf, it, it's, they're gentlemen. They support each other. They, they don't have... It's like we've got this, we're trying to be golf, but we're trying to be wrestling at the same time. And there's like, we're caught in the middle of trying to work out what we want to be as a sport of triathlon. I'm all for it. I'm kind of bored of the like press conferences where everyone's just excited to read. <laughs> it's more fun when like Holly says some stuff and Sam says some stuff. And then like Gustav's like, well, I'm going to beat you all. Like that's a better press conference. Do you find it works with the women though? I don't find it works with the women. The women, are, the women don't want to say that. I don't know. I don't well, find there is. That's like a societal problem, right? The yeah. women don't want to say that because yeah. society has told them that they have to be role models and they have sponsorship yeah. clauses that say, like, you yeah. must be a good citizen. All and those, I think like, it's perceived. All those morality clauses. It's yeah. If the boy, if the men, uh, if the men throw mud or stones or whatever, like, have some banter between them, it's seen as, like, bravado and it's all a bit of fun. But if the women do that, you're just called a bitch. Yeah, but maybe we, uh, what's the, the SNL bit? Bitches get shit done. <laughs> there we go. I don't know. Maybe we need to. Maybe there are some women out there who want to play a bit more characters. I think Kat Matthews could be good for for that. I'm pretty I mean, sure like, she's actually really funny. Danielle yeah. is actually really fun. Taylor Nibs actually. I mean, Taylor Nibs hilarious. She's not a bitch at all. Like she's no, hilarious. no, no. That's but, the thing. No one. Yeah. But they're actually like all, no one. I mean, that's the thing. No one is a bitch no. in the sport. Well, there was a few. No, honestly, well, I'm so few, joking. But, yeah. <laughs> No one is, but it's perceived as that when they try when you try and like put these rivalries mm-hmm. up. Oh, it's just really awkward and no one really wants to talk about it. I think we'd be anyway. much better like anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> There's a whole debate that's going on. There's a whole teams, debate. I feel like. So Sam's gonna okay, so Sam Long's gonna win win um St. George. St. George, according to our dream. Okay, your dream. Yep. What was it? Was there a dream on the women's side? No. But no. I think it's gonna be Anne Hogg, just so you know. Yeah, okay. That's my You heard it here. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. not first or like, not first like, yeah. <laughs> i mean the other thing though that we've been noticing with all these like races now that have happened like the third of the seasons happened you know miami oceanside you had south africa even super league this past weekend my takeaway was base has basically been things got shaken up the last two years and we don't quite know how they shook out yet because there was like it, yes the men's race at oceanside was oh shit like jackson yeah. laundry won and like, yes, if you watched Super League this past weekend, um, it was French guy, uh, one that no one had ever heard of before. I mean, that's very mean because he actually won, or not mean, not accurate because he actually won like Junior Worlds back in like 2007 yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, Aurelian Raphael. But no one had ever heard of him before. And then you have like Taylor Nibs, like super. Anyway, there are new stars. And Louisa Baptiste. Yeah. Louisa Baptista, which I did not predict at all. They're new stars. And I feel like we all have to like get on board with like yeah. figuring out what, what has changed in the last two years because the names that you know are not the names anymore. No, but I, I no, you're right completely. And I think that's part, I don't know, maybe the pandemic has given the opportunity for these up and coming or like athletes that were coming up slightly younger just to have like pretty solid years of training. I know, mm-hmm. okay, there was, it wasn't quite as easy as that with restrictions and stuff, but to even just to train. But to almost sort of get their fitness and, and ability up to another level, whereas then when they come back into competition, they're already already there. We also would have seen them more. We would have been like, oh, yeah, that person yeah. got like a second or third. Yeah. We would have seen them progress. Instead, it feels like this thing is happening really suddenly. Yeah. Just because we didn't see. And same with like, we didn't see the people who are have been around longer, like get beat once or twice. It just sort yeah. of feels like it happened really all of abruptly. Yeah. But it's, it would have happened gradually over the last two years. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Um, but, and there definitely feels like there's a shift coming up from the right. short course, like more of the, more of the Olympic distance world WTS series athletes are jumping in and doing a 70.3 or a half distance this year. And so we're seeing that crossover a lot more than I think we would normally do, but they're still going to dabble with the right. I mean, you Olympic, used to see like normally, like, yeah. normally after, at the end of an Olympic cycle, you'll see kind of a few of them move up. Um, but I think and then retire. like and they, they would do when they were yeah. done. <laughs> like, but I think you're seeing now that they're starting to see that they can do both and dabble mm-hmm. in both, which is great for the sport. Not so great for individual athletes like me. Great for the sport, <laughs> which is the bigger picture, and that's what we want. Um, yeah. So and no, it's exciting to see because it's like, it is. It's like new names, like you said, you haven't seen them mm-hmm. or you've not been aware of them for the last couple of years because everyone's been in lockdown and they haven't been the races and. 
now it's taking all things to into a new level. So maybe everyone's predictions basically are out the window. Out the window. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. No one knows. Maybe no a dreaming knows. really is the best way to guess who's going to yeah. win. Yeah, yeah. I had a dream about Lisa Charles Barkley, but it wasn't about her winning. It was about her broken hip. <laughs> it's <was> very <laughs> random. <laughs> so it is getting faster, though. It is getting. I was looking at like the data files from the men's race at Oceanside and the variability, just like how much time they had to spend really hot. Yeah. It's just it's so up and down because of just how intense it was. You look at the women's run times, you just have to run like a 117 now. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's no big it's deal. One seventeen, it's sub three. I mean, I, I think this year it's going to be really you're going to be hitting two fifty five on on the faster courses as the standard on the women's side. The men's side, God knows. I mean, I, I, I'm I am fascinated to see the times in St George because having ridden the bike course and seen the run course, it's it's tough, it's brutal. But I'm sure. Like the people who win, there's going to be some still ridiculously fast times on there. The last time there was a full there, Ben Hoffman and Meredith Kessler won it. And I'm going to have to double check the the stats because it's in one of our history articles. It's in the magazine right now about St. George. But I want to say Meredith won it with like a 920. Yeah. Right? Something very slow for a yeah. pro women yeah. winning time. Um, but again, that was, how many, that was what, how many years ago? That was yeah. 2015. 2012 or 15 or somewhere around that era would that be right it might have been anyway it was very slow times for yeah. for pro the pros because it is yeah. a slow, a slow and it was also the yeah. year was like 100 degrees in st yeah. george but yeah if you've ever seen that i just remember that broadcast um anyway she like passed out and the broadcast just cut away from her oh and really then they said and then they said oh she decided to stop like I don't think she decided. I don't think she decided that one. She decided that one. I don't think she had a decision made in that one. I think it was made for her. <laughs> yeah, she definitely like I heard the story for her. She definitely like blacked out, woke yeah. up in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Heck. So, yeah. Yeah. Like in in you know the whole running yourself yeah. to. Yes. Well, I mean, she is she's a, obviously a fantastic athlete, but she is one of those that is known like if she's not going to finish a race, you literally have to pull her off the course or she's blacking out and ending up in hospital. Yeah. She's nice. yeah. yeah. Pain levels of other levels. <laughs> I was this, I was talking to somebody today. Uh, no one climbs Everest for their health, Sid. Yeah. All right. Well, we are excited for St. George. We're excited for your train. You're going to have to bring us all of the inside gossip next week on, uh, <laughs> you know, everyone who's there. Everyone, it's if anyone else Girona. turns up. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will do. Maybe. <laughs> All right, this week we're talking to Ann Head, CEO of Head Wheels. And Ann, you're in Minnesota. And you were just telling me it's snowing still. So here's my question for you. Do you, I mean, you got your start as a pro triathlete. Do you still work out regularly? Do you still triathlon? Are you still out there in the snow? So funny you ask. I had a big birthday. And for my birthday, I bought myself a Wahoo. Okay. Uh-huh. And then I started uh, doing Zwift. And uh, it's... It's absolutely a blast. Like, I cannot believe I didn't, you know, hop on that a few years ago when it was introduced. Uh, but, you know, I I have aspirations to do a few things still. Um, okay. I'm signed up for the Unbound Gravel. Oh, really? Uh, doing 100 it with or my... 200? Oh, we're talking 25, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break here. <laughs> I'm coming out of a Minnesota winter, so... Right. Um, you know, I'm doing it with my, my daughter, Rebecca, who did her first half Ironman this year. I'm doing it with my son. And I'm doing it with a lot of my uh, coworkers. So, you know, I'm just kind of rolling back into it. Nothing too serious. That's cool. That'll be fun. I, hear, I mean, gravel's the, the hot thing, right? Yeah, I come from a swimming background, though. So I'm, I haven't decided, you know, because of COVID, obviously, there, right. there hasn't been too many races. My last triathlon I did was the YMCA All-Women's Triathlon here a few years mm-hmm. ago. So that's always been one of my favorite because it's close to home and it's really cool to race with all those ladies. That's like the St. Paul, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So let's talk. I mean, you got your start as a pro triathlete. Obviously, uh, you know, we'll talk some about head wheels and everything, but you started out in triathlon and you literally met Steve, who, uh, you know, is your your late husband and uh, co-founder head by walking into his bike shop, right? You were a triathlete and you were like, I need... I need some support. And you just walked right into his bike shop. Yeah. So you're right. I was young. I was, uh, <laughs> I was signed up for college and then I saw Julie Moss do her iconic finish. 
and I internally told myself that college could wait, that I had this desire to do a triathlon. Hmm. So I did my first triathlon, and it, it gave me a spot into the Hawaiian Ironman. Uh, and I, uh, I didn't have any money. I didn't have a very good bike. And a friend said, there's this guy named Steve Head. He owns this bike shop. I bet you if you go in there, he'll... He'll help you out. And lo and behold, he gave me the $100, which was the entry fee in 1983. Oh, okay. so I wonder what that me. would be Yeah, with inflation. <laughs> I don't know. It's It was a lot of money to me back right. then. And I didn't have a very good bike. So he gave me a bike and, and the entry fee. And, you know, I, I was able to start racing. And uh, I was part of Team Izuno back then. Hmm. So, you know, with with Scott Molina and Julie Moss and Kenny Glaw. And it was, you know, I started racing. I didn't win oh, very many races, but this guy named, you know, Scott Molina was winning everything. <laughs> so Stephen was tinkering in his bike shop uh, and had always had a passion for cycling, but he saw Francisco Mosier break the hour record on double disc wheels. And he said, I'm going to make those. So he went in his garage and made a wheel. He gave one to a friend and I got the next one and I started racing on it and people said, wow, I want one of those. What did he make it out of? Like if he was in his garage, did he have the ability, like how does one make a wheel in your garage? So he uh, had experience in working with fiberglass from skateboards. Mm. Okay. So he took that knowledge, which was basically foam, some fiberglass and an aluminum rim and uh, found a way to make a solid disc wheel out of just bits and pieces from his bike shop and his garage. And uh, like I said, gave that wheel to me. And folks like, you know, S Scott Molina and Kenny Glaw and these other Mizuno riders wanted one. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I I said, well, let's see what we can do. And I told Steve, you know, more people want these. And Again, from a humble beginnings, we didn't have much money, and I saw that there was a triathlon where the first prize was a car. Okay. So uh, I, went, I went out to the East Coast, and I did the race. I won the car and uh, came back to Minnesota and went to the bank and got turned down a million times. But one banker said, you just want a car? And he said, if you give me the title, I'll give you $14,000. <laughs> So he gave me the title. Uh, I gave him the title and he gave me the money and Steve and I were able to start making wheels with that earnings and his knowledge of, of making huh. a wheel. So that's Did they just literally really give you the car there? That's what I'm trying. I'm like picturing this. Did you just like drive off in the car? Actually, I had to come back a couple weeks later. You're <laughs> right. So I, I had to fly there and drive the car from Brattleboro, Vermont to Minnesota. Yeah, uh, it is interesting. Early, early pro triathlon like you're talking about. I mean, it sounds kind of like making things in your garage. Ra you you hear a race has a car to win. It, it sounds very by the seat of your pants. You know? Yeah, I mean, in, imagine we didn't have cell phones and all of this technology. We had to, I don't even know how I heard about this race, honestly. <laughs> um, but, you know, it it then gave us some funds to start making more wheels and mm -hmm. We ended up making, you know, I think the first year, I think we were happy we made 100 wheels or, or something like that. And, you know, it was really the first aero disc wheel that was affordable to the triathlon market. And um, it just started evolving into other wheels after that. But that was really the infancy of how the company started. And did you keep racing? I mean, I know you kind of talked before about like you realized you didn't want to your, that your heart was elsewhere. You didn't want to keep doing the, the pro triathlon thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, it's funny because I was going through my closet. I'm trying to remember how many Konas I did. <laughs> I know I did seven. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> because yeah. I found seven medals, but I thought I did eight. So um, I, you know, I mean, I think my, my first Ironman, I remember getting off the, the bike in third, but then not figuring out the whole nutrition thing and getting past in the last mile by about five girls. I think I was 14th my first year as the as a woman pro. But, you know, I I did do it a few years after that, but I I realized that I had a love of of helping Steve run the business too. Okay. So, you know, I have been to Kona several times working it. Steve and I did it together in 92 kind of for fun. Oh, really? Um, 
Yes. So he actually did compete in one Ironman in Kona with me. Because he wasn't really a triathlete, right? That wasn't... No, he came from a swimming background like I did, but he really, um, he wanted to do it once. So we did it together. What is better? I mean, I think, you know, racing as a pro, racing it for fun, working it. I mean, you've been back recently too to work it, I'm sure. So, you know, I think it's, it's the circle of, of just the joy that I've had in the sport has brought to me. I mean, I know how tough it was in the beginning as a pro to just, you know, find all of the resources to be able to race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was, you know, really awesome to go over there and just work at the old B&L bike shop, you know, and, and then work alongside the pros that we helped. You know, I was, before this, just I made a mental note of all the athletes that we've helped in since the infancy. And it's just been so many, you know, from ranging from, you know, Scott Molina and his wife, Aaron, to Colleen Cannon and Chrissy Wellington and Natasha, mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, Sister Madonna. And, it, you know, the, these are from the old days. And then you look at today, you know, with the Lionels and the Sika and the Yavi. And I could go on and on, but I still find the most joy watching the athletes that I get to help now. Hmm. Because, because it just brings so much to me as being uh, uh, somebody who is actually manufacturing and making an aero product that's I feel is amazing and being able to give back to these athletes and support them. So I actually prefer now just watch just to watch. Okay. <laughs> I get Do nervous you, though. For your athletes? Oh, all athletes. Okay. You know, I mean, of course I'll clap for anybody, you know, I'll cheer <laughs> anybody on. I've been on that Alihi drive so many times and, you know, all walks of life now are in that sport. And it's so beautiful just to see how it's evolved over the years. It, uh, I mean, obviously you make a lot more wheels than a hundred wheels now. So do you, do you, it sounds like you still really connect with every pro that you guys support. You really like follow them. You know them, you talk to them. Cause it seems like you guys are, cause I think of you as a very big company at this point, And I can't imagine you are able to track all of your wheels. You know, I mean, I have a really strong group of people that support me, mm-hmm. you know, as running the company now, it was a big box to fill, you know? So, um, but I've always been very connected with the athletes. Uh, you know, I, I take texts. I am text fast Oceanside. I was on my phone texting right. <laughs> with Aaron and, and the man and his man and Lionel's manager, Pat, but you know, it's just, um, I just enjoy it. I don't consider it part of my job it's 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 it brings me a lot of happiness to be involved like that so you obviously like we were just talking that's how you got started you turn in the car you got fourteen thousand dollars at what point were you and steve like okay this is going to be a real business we need to move into like a manufacturing you know we're going to make more than 100 wheels we ought to upgrade yeah i mean the phone rings you know so (laughs) that 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 is an incentive to continue to make wheels and you know back in the early days it was just you know hard knocks, a lot of hard work, you know, and I think when we moved into what we actually moved from a garage into a home that had a facility that we added to it and you started hiring people and it's not just you and your spouse. Uh, Obviously we ended up getting married and having two children too. So, (laughs) I mean, it, it's, it's knowing that you have a viable business that can actually employ people and give them a skill you know, that you feel like you actually have a business now, you know, so it it was really awesome to be able to, to hire people. And, you know, now, you know, I feel like we've, we've been here since, since the infancy of the sport and we're here strong and, and, and still designing and, and creating product. But really what it is, is, is knowing that you can employ people and give them a livable wage and give them benefits and actually have somebody say, wow, thank you. <laughs> you know, you've given me a job. So you have about 50 employees, right, in uh, St. Yep. Paul area there? We have about 50 here, and then we have uh, we have eight reps here in the U.S. that, you know, are boots on the ground to support our product in the bike shops. And then we have several distributors all over the world, too. And, uh, and, and we kind of mentioned it briefly, but obviously Steve, like, passed away suddenly in 2014, and I know that was a, a tough time, not just because obviously that's that's hard itself, but you also had to come in and take over the company. You guys were in the middle of moving your whole operation. It it sounded really rough, actually. Yeah, it was a bit of a 
I was a bit in a fog at that time. I mean, you know, what what actually happened is, um, you know, we this was in, in 2014, and we had made plans to move into a 25,000-square-foot new facility that we would be moving everybody in. We had just introduced the carbon fat rim, so we were first to market on the, you know, the, the what you would see mostly on the, the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we patented that single wall design, so it was a very light uh, wheel. And we had gotten a large order for that, so we had that reason we were moving into a new facility. Um, but Serpello had come to us, and they had always uh, liked how we manufactured here in the U.S., and they wanted to introduce a new uh, bike, but they wanted the IP here because it was kind of uh, something new and state-of-the-art. So we took that out as a challenge, and, you know, Stephen was super excited about this new project because we had never made a frame before. We right. were we had always just made arrow wheels. Um, and so what basically happened is the day that the frame was getting made the prototype and the engineers came here to Minnesota to look to see what was going on and how they could support us. Um, we made a frame and, you know, it actually worked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, a one piece composite prototype, which is very hard to do. Uh, it, 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 it popped out of the mold and it was, it was like, wow, we, we can do this. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he had called me to give me this amazing news and a, an absolute joy in his voice, but he um, he never woke up after that. He collapsed here uh, in Minnesota behind the factory. He ended up finding out we, he had a heart virus. So, hmm. you know, we'd run five miles the week before. So it was very sudden, totally unexpected. But I think what made me carry on uh, was the joy in his voice saying, you know, it worked. Uh, and then we went on to have to move the entire facility three weeks later, all the folks, all the machinery. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, losing my husband of 20, almost 25 years, the father of my two children and my best friend. I mean, my very, very best friend. So it was uh, me digging into my faith a lot and a lot of support with my family and my friends and just embracing what he left me, uh, a gift, really, you know, a gift to carry on with this new project. So, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know what I would have done if, if it hadn't been positive, but... Oh, you mean if he had called and been like, oh, it didn't work? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know really what I would have done. I, it didn't happen, so I guess I didn't have to go in that hmm. direction. But, you know, it's it's had a lot of... Um, challenges honestly but um i feel that with the support i have of you know the triathlon community the cycling community uh i think steven was so well respected and i've been with him right alongside him even though maybe not the the limelight of the business nor did i want it mm-hmm. um i think i've been able to embrace that part of it and continue on and that uh, that frame that you're saying he, you know, that day he called you and said it worked, it ended up becoming the Cervelo P5X, right? So that you kind of like were able to keep working on that. And finally, I mean, I don't think you were even able to tell anyone that that's what he had been working on for a couple of years. And so finally, you could yeah, bring it, it up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. It, it, it did turn out to be the P5X. So we could not say anything, you know, and I'm sure some folks were wondering, well, we were very busy also, you know, with... Uh, with making, you know, our arrow wheels that we have several patents on, and we ended up getting more patents on our arrow shape. Mm-hmm. We ended up patenting the, um, like I said, the fat rim and, um, and and another disc wheel. But, you know, it it was it was embargoed. You know, in in Kona, we I went there with my family, and I I literally didn't see the first one until I walked in that shop in Alihi Drive, and and I could finally you know, tell the world of what we'd been working on. Cause I was really proud of it, but right. I couldn't, I couldn't say a word. <laughs> that was 2016 Kona. So you're right. It, it took, it took a bit to get that, that project. And, and they had always, you know, wanted to debut it at Kona. 
Sure. And, and then finally you'd be like, this is what Steve was working on. So yeah. yeah, it made me feel really good. Yeah. And my family too. Yeah. And you mentioned that you obviously were kind of more the behind the scenes person for a long time, uh, that he was the one who was kind of out there designing and tinkering and experimenting and you were making sure all the business worked, but you really had to kind of step into the, the role of being the head of the face of the company now, right? Yes, I am. And, you know, we started this entrepreneurial organizational system called EOS and I started joining uh, a round table, hmm. you know, to get people to help me feel comfortable in that position. I became women business certified owned you know, so that I could talk about being a woman in, in this seat. And um, I just think that it's a name and it's it's a, a box, <laughs> CEO. But I feel like, you know, that I was always so much part of what was going on in the business, mm -hmm. just behind the scenes. So it took it took me to decide that I had the strength to to put my name next to that now, you know, it'll, it, 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 it'll always feel as it was both of us, you know, because I titles are, are titles, but it just brings me joy to be able to work alongside the folks that I'm working with athletes and staff and bring the joy of cycling to people all over the world. And that's really what gets me up in the morning. How did you guys kind of do? I mean, the last year has been tough. For not, I'm not saying for you, I'm just saying generally in the cycling industry, how did you guys deal with kind of the last two years and the supply chain issues and the manufacturing issues and, you know, there weren't even events? Um, what kind of changes did you have to make? Well, we've been very fortunate, Kelly, because we manufacture all of our carbon mm -hmm. wheels here in the U.S. So my supply chain for carbon has been pretty good. Oh, okay. uh, so I know, I, I mean, again, blessings from above, but it's like... I think that's where we differentiate with a lot of other uh, of the of the wheels out there. There's there are a few others made here in the U.S., mm -hmm. but we you know we don't have to worry about the supply coming from uh, out of the U.S. So we've been very fortunate with our supply chain, and I've you know being in the business for so many years, we have very close relationships with our spoken hub vendors. So. It's it's been uh, a blessing on that, and I know COVID has been really hard for other businesses. But as far as us, it's really helped our business, and we've grown over the last mm -hmm. two years because we, I think, been able to to react much better to the market than a lot of our competitors. And we we make wheels; we don't make complete bikes, you right. know. So I think that when people could not get complete bikes, they were upgrading wheels. Oh, so is it's that been true? great? Oh, interesting. So they were they're like, well, I can't get a bike. Guess I'll buy new wheels. Yep. Okay. Yes, and what's amazing is really how many rim brake wheels we are still selling. Really, I think some of the other people aren't making them anymore, but we we do, and so you know we thought that we would see less of those, but we're actually quite surprised at how many we're still selling, which is great because I love that wheel. Yeah, I mean, I have I have feelings about disc brakes, but yeah. So you guys are still selling rim, rim brake wheels. Uh, what other? What are your big sellers these days? Like, what are? Is it all gravel? Is it all tri? What's happening? You know, we're pretty diverse in our selection of wheels. I mean, if you if you look at a head catalog, you're going to see everything from, you know, uh, a full disc wheel to our patented shaped Aero Vanquish wheels that you know are really, really our bread and butter. Those those are selling a lot just okay. because those are for disc brake and you're going to see a lot of those on a lot of uh, bikes out there, OE and aftermarket. The gravel market's been amazing for us. I mean, actually, we were really the first company to introduce the wider rims mm -hmm. years ago. And so, you know, that we live in Minnesota, there's gravel roads everywhere. So, right. you know, that infancy, the infancy of that product really came out of you know, Steve and I riding the, the back roads here in Minnesota. Uh, and we have a wheel called the Emporia that is from <laughs> Emporia, Kansas. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's very diverse now. I wouldn't say that there's one specific wheel. We just have a real broad range between alloy and carbon. So I think it's, it's, it's a, we're in a good spot right now with the with all of the different brands that 
that we have and what we're working on for the future too. And what has been, I mean, you said you guys kind of came through the last years pretty well and, and, you know, you have seen a boom. What has been the hardest part sort of of the last couple of years of, of you know, taking over here and, and evolving the company? I, I, I would say that it's it's me working on me realizing I can do this. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's I think as women, sometimes, you know, you, you think you can do it all, you know, and I'm a mother also. So I I always and, and you know, I think people ask it is this is OK to ask for help. You know, uh, and I have asked for help. You know, I've had, I've asked, you know, for help through the community. Uh, we are, we're just now getting a new five, I know, five axis CNC, Kelly. I mean, that is a, a new machine so we can make more molds. <laughs> okay. I mean, how many people <laughs> can be excited about <laughs> machinery? But that's, that stuff makes me really excited that, you know, I, I can, I can get more machinery to help the company continue to innovate and grow you know, those, so those, you know, waiting for the machine, you know, is, is going to, it's, it's showing up pretty soon, but, <laughs> you know, exciting it's, things. Okay. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it had been hard not being able to go to events. Mm-hmm. You know, I just got back from the Bicycle Leadership Council where I was able to see a lot of folks in the industry that I haven't been able to see in a while. I'm going to St. George okay. next month to, to see that race. But, you know, it was, it was, hard not being face to face and not being able to go to events because that really makes me excited to be able to see people and see the product in use. But, you know, besides for, you know, we can all complain about supply chain issues, but I think we're getting past that now. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot better supply chain issues on some of our little bits and pieces. Hmm. If you're going to be in St. George, you heard it here first. I just told Bob Babbitt we would uh, co-host his night before party. Is thank God oh, I'm I've not been racing. to those before. Yeah. I, we're gonna we were trying to come up with a Utah name for it though, and I think it, mm. I was going with the I owe you a beer because it's been like two years, and I feel like I've told that to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, he always he always knows how to throw a good party yeah. on. I yeah, I'd love to I'd love to be there on Friday there you night. Go. So we should have our I owe you a beer for the last two yeah, years. Yes, so I'll have a beer with you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what other events are you excited about? What are you excited about coming up this year? Oh sure. I, I like I said I'm I'm super excited to go to St. George mm-hmm. because again I haven't been able to see a lot of our international athletes in person. Right. You know, we'll have we'll have lots of some of our, you know, up and coming triathletes or people we've helped out with a lot over the years. We'll be able to see them in person. Uh I I am excited again about unbound gravel, mm-hmm. you know, because that's kind of the premier gravel race in the u.s uh i i am excited to possibly do a triathlon again i haven't really picked the one that i want (laughs) to do but i think it's just being able to again go to these races and see folks Mm -hmm. and shake hands with the athletes and thank them for supporting us you know over all the years and I haven't picked out all my races. Of course, I, I would love to go to Kona. Right. I'm praying Kona uh, is going to happen again. I just actually am looking at reservations and Airbnbs because you know. Oh, I think it's I, pretty. Booked, I had yeah. them last year and I had to cancel. Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure all the events I'm okay. going to yet. I haven't really decided for sure. And as you just said, you know, these athletes who have supported you over the years, you've been to these events over the years. You kind of one of the few people probably who kind of has seen it from all the different angles. How has triathlon changed over, you know, since that, that first one that you paid a hundred bucks for back in 83? Oh, that's an awesome question because Kelly, the very first triathlon I did, there was not a changing temp for women. (laughs) And my girlfriend, Marilyn and I were the very first out of the water because we were swimmers, you know? So, you know, talking about the changes, I, I, I mean, there's so many to list, but I think some of the most exciting changes I have seen is the PTO and the equality of the prize money and, you know, the mothers out there. You know, you've got Jocelyn and you've got Michelle Vesterby and Susie Chet. I mean, to me, to be able to see where the sport has come for females, you know, and where it's, it was and where it is now is so amazing. You know, it is it is hats off to all the people because that have put this together and made this sport, you know, equal, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I just can't say enough of how much that means to me as, 
you know, being a, a pro an athlete when I was younger and then also being a mother and seeing that this has actually happened. I mean, I think that is the biggest positive move I've seen in years is what what's going on for triathlon. I, I think it needs to evolve more in the cycling mm-hmm. world. You know, they're not quite there yet, but I think we're we're hoping it's going to go there by actually having a, a women's race in the tour this year in France right, is right. a huge move um, and supporting women that way also. Uh, but it's just, it's come a long way. Oh, yeah. That would be the biggest takeaway for me. Okay. So it's come a long way. Yeah. Because I mean, I feel like um, I've heard you talk about this before. You and, and Julie Moss kind of talk about those early days where, yeah, there was no changing tent. You like held up towels for each other. There were like a ha- only a handful of women. And and there was like an expectation once you had kids, you were kind of done. But... Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, boy, I just get so excited when I see uh, ladies at the on the podium with with a child mm-hmm. i mean that is just you know amazing and you know we we helped gwen you know mm-hmm. and she's she's an amazing athlete too but i can't even list all of the you know i i, I was starting to make a list and when it got over 50 i'm like no i can't i, I don't want to <laughs> leave anybody out you know there's a few a few of the guys and women that have been very special in my life but i can't list them all because i'd feel bad i'd probably leave somebody out this is like an Oscar acceptance speech, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to say that. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, so it's, I, I just, you know, Thrafon has been so welcoming over the years and even after Steve passing that I just want to thank the listeners and the folks that use our wheels and, and you know, we just are so happy that we are able to, again, be a sustainable manufacturer here in the USA and provide jobs and, and bring the joy that it's brought me in cycling to other folks and, and of all walks of life. It's been, it's been great. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. And I hope some people kind of, you know, learn some, some of your backstory today. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good love story. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody likes a love story, right? Exactly. Well, thanks for for chatting with us. You're welcome. And I hope to see you at St. George and have a beer on Friday night with Bob and then cheer all of our athletes or all the athletes, all the athletes there on Saturday. And I'm just so excited that, you know, we can see see each other in person again. For sure. Thanks to Anne and Sid and to all of you. Keep training and keep listening. <laughs>